everybody, and welcome to episode two of Take Your Time, Persona podcast where we play Persona 5 Royal in real time, along with the real calendar dates in-game in the real world. It's going to be great. I'm Tom Marks, joined as always by... Jonathan Dornbush. We use the word real a lot, and I realize that that can like kind of trip you up as you're talking. We definitely didn't plan ahead for that. (laughs) Well, I mean, you know, Persona deals with what is real and what isn't real, so moving on. Uh, We've got a very fun show for you today, our first full week happening. We also get into our first, uh, first day of free time, which we'll get into and talk about, of course, as we get closer to it. Uh, but first, we got some emails. We asked for some responses from you guys, and uh, Jonathan, you got some emails, didn't you? We did. Uh, we we got some questions and, and comments, and first of all, I just wanted to say thank you to everyone who uh, commented on the YouTube video as well. There was a lot of uh, excited to play along, or people who were like, I started and then got ahead of you guys, but I'm excited to listen. So we appreciate it, as I think Tom said at the top of last week's show. Do not worry about going ahead of us. We are playing because of the podcast in this way. You don't have to play this way. Uh, but we did get some questions and some things, especially because I think we have a balance of, you know, newcomers and Persona 5 fans. So the first question we got uh, was from Soul Searcher, and Soul Searcher asked, is Persona 5 Royal a huge difference from Persona 5? It looks like the P5 base game is included in the PlayStation Plus collection, which it is on PS5, but I'm open to getting Royal if it's worth it. Um, thank goodness the show is going week by week. I'm hoping to catch up to it in game. So yeah, I, I've seen this from a few people basically asking like, if I play Persona 5 and listen along, will that be enough? Or should I dump, jump into Persona 5 Royal because P5 is often cheaper on sale or as part of the PS Plus collection? And Tom, since you've played through Royal and I haven't, I wanted to get your perspective on it. Yeah, so... Yes and no, I think is the answer. Basically, if you just want to not, if you just want to get it through the PS Plus collection and play along with us, you can do that relatively successfully. There will be events and certain characters missing, obviously, from the base game, uh, but largely you would be able to follow along with the general story without missing too much. And then uh, until we get kind of really deeper into it, and importantly, the base game is still a fantastic game, right? It's still something I'd absolutely recommend. That said, uh, there will be stuff missing from Royal, or from the base game that's in Royal, and also Royal makes just a thousand little tweaks to the base game that make it so, so much nicer to play and so much better. You get a lot more time. The gun mechanics, which we're going to talk about today, actually, uh, for the first time, are massively improved in Royal. Uh, So there's little things here and there where I would say, yes, it's worth it to to have the the Royal version instead, but that obviously, whether it's financially worth it is a very personal question, up to you. If you think you want to spend the money, then I'd say it's worth doing so, but if you don't want to, then absolutely just play the base game. It's still really great, and you'll largely be able to follow along. Yeah, and as someone who hasn't played Royal yet, I will say that, like, the podcast will still be here, so if you, if you don't want to, if you know you want to get to Royal, but, like, it's $60 right now, I have seen it go on sale already to, like, 30 a, a couple times, and that probably only means it will go on sale again in the coming months, uh, especially on PlayStation. There's now, like, sales every two weeks, so yeah. you'll probably be able to get it on sale, but, yeah, it, it's, you'll, you'll definitely, I think, understand the broad strokes as someone who has only played Persona 5, but, uh, 
probably especially once we get to later in the calendar, there will be some some heavy, <laughs> heavy chunks yeah. of info you won't quite get. But yeah. As and it, the good news is if it goes on sale in three months and you buy it, then we'll still only be like 20 more hours into the game. Yeah. So it's it's fine. You we'll, won't have missed much. We'll still firmly be in P5 territory. Uh, yeah. But uh, <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's definitely an interesting one. And I can understand, especially when the base game is available in so many places. It's a bummer, I think, that they'd never made the royal content available as DLC. Yeah. Which is sort of like an Atlas ongoing thing. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's, it's, if you want the full experience of take your time, you'll, you'll want to go for Royal. Um, the other email we got, our first email to uh, Dornology at gmail.com, which you can also write into if you have questions for the show, uh, was from Tom. And Tom wrote in, not you, Tom, another Tom. Different uh, Tom. I'm not d- writing into the show myself, I but swear. But if, if you are, you know, I, I wouldn't spoil that because... <laughs> You know, you got to do what you can to to make the show work. And sometimes that means supplying your own questions. Um, (laughs) Tom said, first of all, an amazing idea for a podcast. Again, not you, Uh, though. That must be. I have said that, though. though, That must be an agonizing way to play Persona. Again, you've kind of said that. Oh, God, this is not going well. Uh, Later (laughs) later on, he does clarify where he's from. So that'll that'll reveal it. Um, But such a cool idea and all the credit to to me and Tom for putting it together and committing to do it. So thank you for doing this. It's getting more confusing as it goes. For one of my favorite games of all time. In episode one, there was some confusion on how to say, and I'm going to say it, LeBlanc. Uh, And just a quick Google revealed, uh, thank you for doing the legwork, which I totally did not do after the show, uh, reveals that the cafe LeBlanc is based on the French author Maurice LeBlanc. So I asked my professor, who is from France, how you say that name, and he said that based on American English, you would pronounce the C so that it would sound like LeBlanc. But if you pronounce it in French, the C is silent, so it is more like LeBlanc. Some other trivia for uh, the two of us is that Maurice LeBlanc is, of course, the author who created the famous literary character known as Arsène Lupin, um, who appeared in 17 novels and many more novellas. Uh, And, of course, Arsène in the game is uh, Joker's persona. Um, So there's all these little references, and Arsène is referred to as a gentleman thief, which is the name uh, that you'll you'll hear a bit uh, for the Phantom Thieves. Uh, Anyway, thank you so much for doing the podcast during your obviously very busy schedules. Uh, All the best from Long Island, Nassau County, too, which is where I'm from, Tom. So unless you reveal to me that you secretly live nearby me for all of my life and we never knew this, it's a different Tom. Jonathan, we're actually brothers. <gasps> I know. Big twist. It, wow, I didn't know this was going to be a soap opera, too. This is exciting. So so the C thing is very interesting. Thank you, obviously, Todd, for, for writing in with that. The The connection to LeBlanc and the Arsene, I didn't realize. The, the funny thing about this, though, is, like, there's other little pronunciation things, right? Like, Anne would be pronounced Anne in American English, but because the A in Japanese is pronounced Ah... It's on. Um, so, like, yeah. there are little pronunciation things there that, like, are in the translation that are just a little bit weird. So, like, I'm probably just going to keep calling it LeBlanc because that's what they say in the game. But, well, like, I, I, I really do LeBlanc. appreciate that. So, Well, then we're just going to battle. We're yep, gonna, it we're gonna it balances both. out. Yeah. Um, but that's really cool. Also, Tom wrote in uh, in that email with an answer to last week's pop quiz. Yes. Which was, uh, they said, 
The answer to Tom's quiz is Haru, which there is a conversation this week by Haru in the hallway and an NPC, which explains this. That's right. If you talk to a pink-sweatered, frizzy-haired girl right before you go up to the uh, the roof, if you don't remember last week's question was, why is the roof to Shujin unlocked? Uh, it explains that this girl who's standing there, a teacher has left the door unlocked for her so that she can tend the plants, which Aww. is uh, very cute. And you'll, you'll meet that character later on if you're first time uh, in this game or playing this game. But... That's all the preamble. Thank you again for, for people who wrote into Dornology at gmail.com or just messaged us with questions. Uh, we really do appreciate it. Let's get into the actual episode uh, this week because it's our first full week and it's a big one and we got a lot to go through. Uh, first off, a real quick content warning for anybody who may be concerned. Uh, this week's episode will be talking about suicide and sexual assault. So those are major, major themes within this game and uh, just quick content warning for anyone who would be appreciative of it. Uh, or is nervous around hearing things around those topics. Um, but we've got our first full week of April 12th through April 18th. And uh, if you remember at the end of last week, they had just come back. They had gone into uh, Kamashita's castle, freaked out, Joker <laughs> awakened. They left, and now we're now to the next day, uh, April 12th where uh, we had that Velvet Room conversation that we weren't sure whether it was which day the <laughs> yep. morning before. Um, but then you go back to Shujin, and on the way, you run into the brand new character, the redhead with a ponytail, uh, who I think at this point in the game, you still don't know her name, uh, but she's introduced later in the week as Yoshizawa, and she's very polite and very cute, and you help her out with a situation. Uh, another one of those little royal moments just sort of, like, tucked into pre-existing story. Um... As you go back, then after school, Ryuji and you, Ryuji basically drags you along. It's kind of funny how much Joker, like, doesn't want to do this, but yeah. Ryuji basically is like, we got to go looking for that castle. Uh, so they search around the, the school. Then finally they realize that if they use the app that's on their phones, they can re-enter uh, and get to the castle, uh, which they do. And Morgana's there, and Morgana is like, what the heck, why'd you guys... <laughs> Or, or no, 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 not at this point. Never mind. That's a different Morgana getting mad at you. Morgana there, gets mad at them a lot. There's a lot of getting mad at you in general, so it's it's fair to you know. Cross Basically, Ryu, Ryuji being the best boy uh, is concerned about the people still inside, and Morgana agrees to uh, guide you in before then revealing that these people that are being tortured inside of Kamoshida's palace, who you realize are all of the volleyball team members that he coaches, uh, aren't real. They're cognitive versions that Kamoshida had created, right? Um, Ryuji also hands you a gun. Just like, it's a model gun, but yeah. he apparently had brought that to school, which I, is deeply concerning as an American. Well, I really like that he was just like, th there's a bit of a line of dialogue where it's like, why do you, why would you have, like, I wrote down in my notes, why would you bring that with you, Ryuji? And then, <laughs> and then later on it was like, oh yeah, he was coming because he thought he would be prepared. Like he thought it would be intimidating to bring into the the palace. And it's just one of those funny, like, Ryuji just want, wants to be a good guy and do good. He maybe doesn't go about it in the best ways always, but yeah. uh, he's, he, he had good intentions. Yeah. But the good news is you now have a gun, which uh, mm -hmm. because you're in a cognitive world, even though it's a model gun with no bullets, the enemies don't know that. And so Stupid therefore they think, they think it's real and therefore it functions, uh, which is 
just the the greatest video game logic lore yeah yeah it's uh it's a good workaround i you know if if you explain it away in a, especially in an introductory few days in this game where you're learning so much about the world it's you're definitely right it's one of those things where like if i stop and think about it it it's it's total ridiculous nonsense but i i love it for that and i'm like yeah i'll go along with this that makes sense <laughs> yeah but you know like you said uh, and also the other part of it is they basically never bring it up ever again. Yes. Like exactly. you just have, you, you just have model guns. Don't worry about it. Yeah. Where, where the like knife that you're carrying comes from. Don't worry about that either. We'll move on. <laughs> so they leave the dungeons. Ryuji, you guys get attacked and Ryuji has his own persona awakening moment to, uh, his persona, Captain Kid, who is just so cool. Like a punk skeleton pirate riding, a a pirate ship like a skateboard with a cannon for an arm <laughs> just super cool uh and then as you leave morgana's like hey you're gonna help me now right and you're basically like nah and just bail on morgana which is super cold yeah but uh, i i think what, what's funny is especially as someone as as two people who have you know seen through the experience and know where things go it is i think really fair and interesting that and this isn't the first case this week but we we see a lot of points during the week where like essentially all these characters are still strangers to each other and so like right. it's not wild that they would all kind of be a bit more self-serving than they end up being like it it, it strikes me a few times during this week which we'll definitely get to but yeah i, I was i just came away like oh yeah like it, it's sort of rude or cold but i also kind of get it like it, it doesn't always make it right but like i understand why they're acting this way often yeah, at this point, like, just double-checking, you and Ryuji met the day before, right? Like, you and Ryuji have known each other for for 24 hours at this point. Yeah. Uh, and only in the context, basically, of of this crazy situation. So, it, yeah, you're right that it is very... It's still very fresh, these relationships, and it yeah. makes sense that... Well, I mean, that said, Ryuji and Morgana really don't get along... Which is no. something I to- to- sort of forgot at the beginning is how much they really don't get along. Morgana is super antagonistic to uh, Ryuji from the start, though, as I, I think yeah. fair. Like, because you are already, you know, uh, taken over by the Persona aesthetic and everything, Morgana seems a little more uh, okay with you. Uh, and doesn't think you're a total idiot, but just right. off the bat is like, oh, this dumbass over here won't <laughs> shut up about all these idiotic ideas. My God, is he the worst? Anyway, you're all right, so we'll, I'll deal with him. It's like, Whoa. yeah, all right, all right, you little cat. But um, yeah, there's not there's a definitely cat. a little bit of a cat. <laughs> uh, but yeah, there's a there's a lot of infighting, which is which is funny. And again, I sort of get because they're also meeting under very stressful circumstances. Sure, sure. Um, but yeah. So Morgana explains while they're in there that these people aren't real, but they, it probably is some sort of indication of what's actually happening to these people in the real world. It's if this is how Kamashita kind of cognitively sees them, uh, this is probably what he's doing. So to some extent, not like literally making them run on a treadmill with like spikes <laughs> behind it, like a spike barrel behind it, but like, you know, some sort of physical abuse. Um, so Ryuji and Joker out now out of the castle, uh, basically vow to make Kamashita pay for, for what he's done and expose him in some way. Uh, moving on to the next day, you have another Velvet Room conversation, uh, that night that's basically like, hey, you gotta make friends. 
is like the summary of it if yeah. if i may sum up is like in order to to avoid ruin as as igor igor another mispronunciation that i'm not gonna get into uh <laughs> gets uh tells you like you have to make bonds with other people which is one of the things you've done with ryuji is you've you've made an actual like confidant bond with him at this point and is, is uh, that when you make your bond with igor igor i think it is as okay. well yeah i think you get them as well yeah. at that point point. Uh, and confidants is a thing for new players it's going to become very important as yes. you progress and get more free time uh moving on the april 13th is the day of the volleyball rally which uh seems kind of early for a volleyball rally if this is like the beginning of the semester but i'm not gonna judge what you know different culture i didn't play um, volleyball so i don't know we get a, a lovely animated cutscene of a teachers versus students volleyball game where kamashita is very good at volleyball and spikes it right into the dome of a kid that we will later learn is named mishima uh, and basically knocks him out cold and then pretends he plays the nice guy to try to help him out um but that's not the volleyball rally is not super important because you blow it off to basically investigate and interrogate volleyball players about uh, if Kamashita is abusing them, if Kamashita like, seeing if you can get someone to snitch, basically. Which is very bold as a strategy to just be like, let's just ask him. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're just going up to students and being like, so, is he hurting you? <laughs> like, just in, in the <laughs> yeah. hallway. And and don't get me wrong, I think like it, you know it's great they want to address it and and expose this terrible man. But yeah, it's a I, I think it's also indicative of like yeah they're just some high schoolers. They're not going to have like a very strategic approach to finding out evidence of what's yeah. going on. Um, but you know also they're talking to a bunch of teenagers, so maybe one of them would just say accidentally the secret. Uh, but you know. <laughs> Yeah, and it's it's also very indicative of, and this I won't spoil anything, but like it's funny and very in, in contrast to later when you eventually get some people on your team that are, uh, m let's say, more strategically inclined. That you then are like, oh yeah, they didn't know what the heck they were doing. Right, oh yeah, at this point, they're just like walking up to people. Um, so you go looking for people. Basically, no one will talk. No one wants to talk to you. Everyone's like, back off. Stop being a jerk. I got these injuries through volleyball practice and like just blowing you off. Uh, finally, you find Mishima, who was the kid who got hurt. And uh, as you're talking to him, Kamoshida comes up and gives you a bunch of lip and then walks off. And then Mishima basically says... Everyone knows what's happening. The teachers know he's abusing us. Our parents know he's abusing us. Nobody cares. It doesn't matter if you find someone to squeal. You're not going to be able to expose it. And he leaves. Um, and similarly, this is obviously very disheartening to them, but then similarly, On comes up and also warns you to back off and stop, uh, stop looking into Kamoshida. At this point, you know, continuing with the... Uh, the sort of conversation the theme we were talking about last week of like your perception of somebody not being necessarily true to who they are right mm -hmm. like this is the the way they paint on and i'm talking about this because this gets revealed you know literally in a day or two i think actually the next day um so it's not a huge spoiler to say it now like on is painted in this moment as like all the rumors you've been hearing about her are that, like, she's Kamoshida's girl, right? Like, they're dating, and, like, so her approaching you is basically supposed to be presented as, like, her protecting Kamoshida, mm -hmm. right? 
And that's so, like, it becomes very clear very quickly, like, how kind of, like, wrong, again, that kind of gut perception assumption based on rumors is. Uh, it, I just thought it was a really interesting moment kind of in that in that context. No, yeah, it's, it's a totally, like, fascinating thing that I think the game does. And, and this is, I think, like, something we touched on a little bit last week, but that we'll probably get into, obviously, throughout, like, the whole course of this, is, like, that, that back and forth of, I think, like, portraying some of this stuff and subverting your expectations in how you perceive people and um, society. It, it does it in really great and really awful ways. And it's, yeah. it's a strange balance because there is so much good and then when the when the bad or, or the the I, I don't know how to properly phrase it, but the, the moments that are inconsiderate to people or, or things mm-hmm. of that nature come up, it's such a bummer because you do get moments like that where it is it's subverting your expectations so that you get a full understanding of it. But then even something like with Mishima, you know, basically saying we all know this, like they're pretty immediately again, we're four or five days into the game or in the first couple hours we're it's just like oh yeah we're going to be dealing with uh systemic abuse and um how men in a society that usually lets them dominate allows them to hold power over people in abusive ways and it's just like it's immediately getting to that and it's i think it paints a very good picture in a in this specific setting of how awful that is but how how you can understand how that stuff is is allowed to proliferate based on how our society is like this could very well be happening at any high school and I wouldn't be surprised. Um, right. Like I, I, I think the way it, it balances that while also simultaneously subverting expectations of people's roles and all this. Uh, I think it, it does both of those really well, which is why when it does some stuff, not well, it's frustrating, but um, yeah, totally. I, I, I agree with you. This moment definitely hit me in a surprising way. And, and especially taking this, so much more slowly, like day by day here. We were talking a little bit before the show and end at the beginning, but like it gets heavy so quick. Yeah, it does. For a game that is all about the, like, you know, presenting to you with all this style and flair and the, the crazy awesome music and the amazing animation, it immediately is like, actually, we're going to also be telling a very serious story about abuse and um, systemic issues in society. Yeah. It, it gets very, grim and heavy very fast uh and i don't think that that's unintentional but it is very like this this game can hit you in the teeth kind of quicker than you're expecting i think with some of this stuff and we'll see that kind of coming up in the in the following days as well yeah uh so the next day april 14th is like kind of a quicker one in the context of this week which is packed and packed with story obviously like this week is all about this week is very interesting to me because it's it's all about setting you up and it has to set up the story, but it also weaves together these palace kind of little quick bite infiltrations to teach you kind of mechanics as you go. And I think, again, like we were talking about last week, this does a very, very, very good job of setting up that blend. Uh, but this day, specifically, April 14th, is um, kind of just a little bit of a story day. It's a much quicker one. So it opens with... On actually talking to Shiho, who is her best friend, Shiho Suzui, who is sort of beat up and bruised and on the volleyball team. She's a first, on the on the starting line now for the volleyball team, and she's very sort of out of it and seems very kind of like tense and like restrained in herself. And On is trying to just be a good friend to her and like ask her if she's okay and she's just sort of like i'm fine not really responding very well and um 
it's it's very sad. She's clearly something's wrong, but An doesn't know what to do about it. Uh, and then almost immediately after, Shiho's like blocking a doorway, and your character has to go through, and she like doesn't realize, and it's like, oh, I'm sorry, I'm in your way, and then realizes who you are, which is the transfer student that everyone is gossiping about, and is like even in her super out of it, stressed out, anxiety ridden state, is like has the presence of mind and the kindness to be like, hey, don't let those rumors get to you. People just talk. People gossip about my friend, who she doesn't name on, but she's like, people gossip about my friend all the time, and it's not true. And I thought that was so sweet that, like, Shiho, like, is painted as this, like, very kind, understanding person. And again, like, this idea of, like, the people who are murmured about and the people who are, like, rumored about are, like, all sticking together knowing that, like, those rumors are not true right and yeah. like knowing that people just talk and like especially in that high school setting and that's like really really sweet to me yeah yeah all, all all of this that happens especially on this day as you were saying it's a bit of a shorter day but i think like that conversation between shiho and An is really well done and that moment when you run into shiho as well totally like really really hit me as i was watching it um unfold and it was one of those things of like Oh yeah, this totally is reflective of like the idea of how society kind of still expects the the victims of abuse to be like emotionally resilient and in the face of everything still have to put on a good face and it's like it right. it is building into all of that stuff so well and and so quickly um and the it's sort of weirdly juxtaposed. I think for me there was like this one moment when after the Shiho and on discussion two other students come over and they're like gossiping about them and and one of the dudes i wrote it down just because it was like it, it just feels like out of place in that moment where the guy's like come on dude you can't go after kamashita's bitch yeah and, and i'm just like yeah i could definitely see a high school student saying that because i went to an all guys high school and let me tell you a lot of those dudes did not talk kindly <laughs> um but it's just one of those moments where it was like i don't know if it was needed right there with that harshness to get the point across yeah, um, it's the game. This game does that all the time, right? Like yeah. it has these really genuine moments next to these really kind of gross moments. And there's an argument to be made that something like that it, it intentionally is supposed to kind of punctuate that. But I agree yeah. that I, I think at certain times it doesn't really punctuate as much as it's just sort of like, oh, that felt really incongruent with like the the deep moment that just happened. Yeah, like I th- I think there's a way to convey that, like the rumors and the the alleg or the assumptions about people at that school is pervasive enough that <clears throat> excuse me, just these two random students are going to think this way about Yeah. Them. But Yeah. <clears throat> excuse me, sorry, I got something caught in my throat. Um it, it it's something along those lines of like I, I get that and I think that is like a good point to be made of just how pervasive this rumor mongering is and how, how awfully it can, it can cause people's lives to be, but it like the, the way it's presented in that moment, you're right. It, it just feels like such a, a bit of whiplash and I don't yeah. think it does that. But as you were saying, like that moment with Shiho, when you see her in the hall was really powerful and really impactful in just like such a small, quick way. Um, yeah. Yeah. The other, the other major thing that happens on this day, April 14th is that we finally Morgana and Ryuji, uh, Morgana shows up to talk to Ryuji and Joker as a real cat in the real world. And it turns out that when Morgana, Morgana A doesn't need an app to transfer between that world and this one, uh, and B, when Morgana comes to the real world, 
is just a cat, an adorable cat that they can hear talk, but nobody else can. Everyone else just hears meows. And then continues one of my favorite running jokes throughout the whole game is like people in the school searching for a cat somewhere in the school that's like they can't find. What's that meowing over there that I hear? <laughs> huh? yeah. Is that a rogue cat somewhere in the school? It's just always like a. They're just so obvious about like where could this cat be? Yeah, but and my good. favorite part, my favorite part is Morgana hearing them look for for him, and then being like, "Uh, meow," and just like say, like saying "meow" is gonna help yep. at all. Like, well, and then so weird. You can also respond to Ryuji when he's freaking out about it by saying "meow," which I mm-hmm. I've, I've picked every time I think I've played that scene because oh yeah, just, it it pisses him off in just such a fun way. Oh yeah. Uh, but Morgana, you guys all meet on the roof, and Morgana explains actually what castles are and actually what you could do about Kamashita and the way. And basically the explanation, and some of this, excuse me, if it might come out a little more over the next few days, but basically the palace and the castle, the castle is Kamashita's palace, which is this cognitive world built around how he sees the school and all of that. And at the center of it is his kind of distorted desires, right? And... The way that what you could do is if you steal that desire, their treasure, as they call it, uh, if you steal that desire, the palace will collapse. They'll lose their desire for that distorted thing or whatever, and they will essentially have a change of heart and become uh, not want that thing anymore. And so they'll completely change what they want in their priorities, which sounds like this great, absolute, uh, you know, cure-all solution to the Kamashita problem, but Morgana explains that without desires, you know, you could, you don't have the desire to eat, to fall in love, to sleep, right? And you could become, if you're, if they're not careful, this person could become just like basically vegetative and need care or else they might die. And something that I think is really important in this moment is that Joker and Ryuji are handed basically on get-out-of-jail-free card of Here's how we can deal with this guy. But because they're explicitly told, hey, this could kill him potentially, maybe if we do it wrong, they don't do it, right? They're like, we don't, like, they're like, no, like, that's not, like, we want this guy to pay, but we don't want to kill him, right? And I think that's such a formative, important moment in this whole story of them being like, they're not just vigilantes. Like, they they have really strong morals of, like, we want him to atone for his crimes. We don't want him to just, like, we don't want to just kill the guy. Look, And we, so they... Sorry, go, go ahead. ahead. I was going to say well, just... I was gonna, yeah. <laughs> God damn it. Yeah, fine. I, no, I was going to make a joke, so you go on and, and say the real thing, because you were going on a good path. Sorry. I don't even remember what I was going to say. I was just going to say, no, I agree that they ha- they have all these morals. <laughs> I do think it's funny that, that they have these morals. Ryuji is still going to bring a fake gun around to, to freak people out and, and try oh, to Oh, yeah. Speak. But, uh, no, I totally agree <laughs> that, like, it, it does... I think I think it it does a really great job, and again, the, I think it is a benefit of this game being so long that it has this room to breathe and and to have these beats that they can be like, well, no, we don't just want to kill this guy. We are right. We are kids in school who are just trying to get rid of a bad man from this position of power. We are not trying to get rid of him permanently. <laughs> in a, right in a life, right. like we are not the ones who decide this. And yeah, yeah, I do agree. I th- I think it. It sets up their moral standing pretty well from the jump. Yeah. Because a large part of this, even the way that it was presented at the very beginning, right, with the, the, the flash-forward scene of you getting captured by the police, is like, 
the way that everyone has presented you as a, as a criminal, the police read off this list of stuff like manslaughter and all these charges against you. And you're like, oh, I don't know what to believe. And this is one of those moments early on where you're like, oh no, they're not those people, right? Like they're not just rushing out to kill somebody. And so they go looking for a different solution. Um, but this day has one last more kind of important thing too, which is on the way home in Shibuya, you come across on who's on the phone with somebody in a very loud argument uh, who you end up finding out is Kamashita and he threatens on for, with something and she breaks down crying and Joker kind of is like, hey, I couldn't help it over here. Are you okay? And she runs away from you at yeah. first, but then you like have to pursue her to try to comfort her, which is very weird, but that's okay um, because it's well-meaning and you end up going to a cafe and basically just like, letting on being a shoulder for on to cry toward and like letting stuff out even though she doesn't know you and uh just listening to her and being there for her when she doesn't really have anyone who just understands and uh it's this very kind of touching moment where on opens up to you and you guys get a little closer and um she explains that basically everyone thinks that she's dating kamashita but he's actually just a total creep who is like, basically trying to manipulate her into sexual favors with a student, which is horrible. Um, and uh, when she shot him down, she's lied to him multiple times. You see it on an earlier day as well, of uh, lying to him multiple times to get him to back off. Um, she, he basically says, fine, well, if you won't come over to my house tonight, which is creepy as all hell, um, then like, I guess Shiho's going to lose her starting spot on the, on the volleyball team. And that's kind of what breaks on down. And it's like really, really horrible. And you kind of get, this is like one of the, the, another moment where you really understand the full kind of depravity of Kamashita, right? Like he is without remorse, a terrible human being. <laughs> yeah. It's, um, it's one of those things where we were, we were saying earlier of like the, the morals that they have, which I think are, are very sound of like, we don't want to just do this thing that will inadvertently kill these people, but this is a terrible man. And the end, this is just further solidifying just how, how like at the root of who he is, he is awful. And yeah, um, <clears throat> I, yeah, it, it, as you were saying earlier too, it, it subverts the expectation of that scene from earlier. We're on tells you to back off. Um, right. and, and again, it's playing into like the, Rumors at school, pro like there are probably students who are rumor mongering who think she wants to be involved with Kamashita, and and yeah. this is something that she is um, willfully being part of, and of course that plays into the whole ideas of just like um, like a, a male dominated society where horrible men just get to kind of rule um, without remorse, and it's it's very clear of the the emotional toll. That it's taking on her. I, you know, do not blame her for running away from you uh, in that one, especially after your first introduction is staring at her uh, for five minutes on the street a couple days earlier. Yeah. But um, th th that part of it aside, I, I do think the scene between them, it lets you have a bit more of an understanding of on, especially because, like, I do think from the beginning of the game, she is pr uh, perceived as the the pretty blonde you know sports girl or whatever like she not even necessarily sports but like she is she is the you know the seemingly this girl that everyone's talking about in pretty sexually explicit like terms and it's you yeah know, very very gross because we're, we're in this high school setting and everything but um it, it it lets you see that she there is a lot more to her situation that's going on that i really appreciate 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, moving on to the next day. Uh, well, I guess the last thing that happened I should mention is uh, you get a shot of a scene in the school still of Mishima, a very beat-up Mishima, being asked, asking Shiho that Kamoshida wants her in his office, and it's very clearly, like, awful. Like, it is just an awful tense situation. Yeah. And then it cuts away. Uh, and uh, the next day, April 15th, Starts out with a goof and then just goes very dark very quickly, um, where Morgana is just, like, in your desk. This is the first time of many at uh, that you'll have a cat in your desk meowing and the teacher being like, where is it meowing? And it's, like, treated very lighthearted, but then it gets very, very grim very quickly where all of the students rush to the windows and Shiho herself is on the roof of the school and jumps, um, which is obviously awful and kind of... Uh, what's the word? Um, traumatizing for for everyone around, especially on and and obviously her. Yeah, it's um, it, it immediately it it is it's so unfortunate, but it immediately gets you into that point of like the consequences of what Kamashita is doing so fully, and it ties into that scene, you know, with Mishima, which clearly was indicating things were that were already bad were about to just get worse. Um, right, and it's it's so un unfortunate and i think a crystallization moment of just like they also like could they have acted earlier and done what they needed to for the palace we know by like the the gameplay mechanics technically not um right but it is one of those things that immediately it's like maybe if they had rushed into the palace and tried to do something maybe they could have stopped that like they're they're it brings up all these conflicting feelings of wanting to make right by what this terrible terrible man is doing as the king of this castle. It's yeah. It, it's such a, a a surprisingly dark, but I think um, well done moment to portray um, sort of the gravity of how awful he is and and what he's doing to these students. Yeah. Um, also, we did want to call out at this moment. Just uh, you know, obviously, we're talking about this in sort of the context of the game and and what it means to the story, but. Uh, Suicide is not a joke, and yeah. if you are having thoughts or or considering self-harm in any way, we, we encourage you to reach out uh, and encourage you to reach out, and, and you know, it's it's worth sticking around. And I believe, Jonathan, you have a couple things to call out real yeah, quick. Yeah, if, if you're having any suicidal thoughts or, or need to talk to someone, we want to make sure to point you to the, the two. Uh, these are the U.S.-specific... Um, hotlines and text lines. Um, the uh, text line that you can reach out to, the crisis text line that has uh, qualified uh, crisis counselors standing by and, and willing to talk by text, is uh, you can just text 741741, uh, or you can call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-8255 in the U.S. Uh, if you go to suicide.org slash international dash suicide dash hotlines and I'll, I'll put this link in the in the text uh the, there are also numbers for international territories as well that you can reach out to and call um if you want to and as tom had said uh if you are feeling these thoughts or feelings uh, definitely encourage you to reach out so moving right along we obviously this is a very intense moment in the school everyone is gathered you see Mishima run off in fear and Ryuji being the hothead he is gets super mad runs after Mishima with you uh 
you confront him and Mishima basically spills the beans about what Kamoshida did to Shiho. Uh, and they, all three of them run into Kamoshida's office. Who's just like working on paperwork at this point, like really messed up. Yep. If it wasn't already clear, um, how, how little feeling he has for his actions. Yeah. It's yeah. So, uh, Ryuji threatens him. You all threaten him, basically saying, you know what you did. He's like, you don't have any proof. And then finally, he's just like, okay, all three of you are expelled. And it's like, oh, again, he's in a position of power and we have no evidence, so therefore, he just wins and it's really messed up. So he says, at the next board meeting, I'm going to recommend all three of you are expelled. Enjoy your time till then. Bye. And, like, that's that. And so you decide at this moment you know what? The only way to get him to stop is to change his heart. So we're going to do that. Um, and you just are discussing this in the school and then on comes in to comes over to you and it's like, Hey, I want in because I, I hate this dude too. Um, and Ryuji in this moment, I always thought Ryuji was just being a jerk, but it's really clear. Actually, he basically tells her to like leave because he wants to protect her, which is like very kind of like, it's like a little bit savory, but it's like noble. It's noble intentions. Yes, yeah, um, it's definitely the like the chivalrous man acting. It, it's the like go on get because I'm trying to save you, but you don't know it. It's like right, right. It, and granted, like on obviously has gone through this just emotionally um, awful experience with her best friend. Uh, you know, earlier that day, and so I, I, I very much agree with you. I think the scene is meant to be read as Ryuji wanting to protect her. Um, yeah, yeah. W- whether he goes about it in the best ways, I don't think he does. But I also sure. think you can read that in a that's kind of the point. Like, yeah, he he is kind of new to this. Both you know, putting himself out there to help others and uh, and all these things. I think it it doesn't feel out of line with the character so far for him to act that way. Right. So you guys go out to the front of the uh, the school. You use the app. And because on, and this is one of my favorite little things about this, because on is nearby when you use the app, she also gets sucked in to, to the metaverse at the palace, which is just like the most dangerous thing. Cause they use this thing in public all the time. And the fact that like random bystanders don't just also get pulled in is amazing to me. <laughs> it is uh, amazing. A little convenient, but yeah, I had that thought too, where there were, where it happened and on just because of her nature of being close and granted, like she's close, but she's far enough away, like physically that yeah. there have definitely been other times where other people should have ended up in the metaverse. And I kind of wanted just a a cutaway now somewhere in the future uh, of just like them going into the metaverse and then jumping over to just a random bypasser. Who's like, why is there a giant castle? Like what is happening? And they freak out. But yeah, yeah, it's a, it it definitely is a little bit of a convenient thing, but it, it helps get us into um, some really great stuff with the the group. And, and, the best part or the funniest part, the weirdest part is that they're immediately like, oh no, you can't be here. And just like push her out of the metaverse and then keep going. Like there's like, okay, cool. Uh, At this point, they also come up with code names. So Joker actually becomes Joker. Morgana becomes Mona and Ryuji becomes Skull is they're basically saying, we don't want to use our real names at the palace because who knows what'll happen if the ruler hears our real names. It's kind of a weird, they just have code names go with it. Morgana Um, might as well have been like, why don't we call this one idiot? 
Yeah. Though, is definitely basically. like the, the cadence of that conversation. I'm like, yeah, I love Joker. It sounds cool. And then we got dumbass over here. Oh no, I guess that won't work. Whatever. Um, so but, weird. Yeah. Um, so they, they, you go into your third palace infiltration and you get kind of one of the core mechanics of the game at this point, which is you discover Joker can take multiple personas and any enemy can be a little bargaining mini game where you like talk to them and like realize you have something in common and then they join you as a new mask you can switch to as Joker, which means Persona suddenly has become Pokemon. Like you can just, and this is not a new mechanic for Persona, but you can collect all these Personas for Joker and swap to them with different abilities. And I think that's really, at this point, the combat is sort of like, obviously there's more mechanics to come, but like fully fleshed out and like you have your gun mechanic, you have your weaknesses, you've got an assortment of abilities you can use to trigger different weaknesses you can uh you can get personas multiple personas and suddenly this is like this is what the combat is and like now you get to spend some time with it in the palace but before you really do you find out that on because she was in the palace already has it on the phone the app on her phone comes back in (laughs) and gets caught because kamashita's guards think that she's the cognitive version of on who's always in a creepy bikini and cat ears um, and they take her prisoner. So you have to rush in before they kill her to save her. Um, but instead of saving her, she decides to stick up for herself and awakens her own persona, which is uh, Carmen, yes. which is this flamenco dancer. And she gets into her uh, questionable zipper leather clad outfit. Yeah. But that's okay. Um, we're gonna it, just, we'll, we'll no, it's not. It's very weird. Yeah. Well, uh, but she, it's 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 very odd that like the personas are supposed to be like the the like it's supposed to be your inner rebel and like then she's just like immediately uncomfortable in those clothes. Yeah. Like okay. Yeah. Sure like game. she should probably be comfortable in her inner self. If that's right. What's yeah. Be, yeah. It's um again it's that balance of like the. Like, especially in a scene where she is fighting against the notion of Kamashita having this cognitive version of her who is obviously just a sexual object to him, which is just so right. wrong on so many levels. And then she's like, I'm going to become my full self. And like, I, I, there is, I think, something to be said about the game wanting to say, like, a woman can own her sexuality and also be badass. Um, right. Like, the, they don't have to be mutually exclusive. But it is in that weird position of one, we're talking about high schoolers. Uh, and two, then she, she immediately expresses discomfort in being in the costume. Yeah. Um, that's the only, that's the part that gets to me. Like yeah. the outfit itself is like, even in the context of anime outfits, not even as terrible, like oh, risque no, as it could have yeah. been. <laughs> yeah. But like the fact that she's then like, I don't want to be dressed like this is like, oh, that's weird game. Okay. Yeah. Like, why'd you have to say that? Why couldn't she just be like, cool with it? Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Moving on. Uh, you then fight a monster who's also really gross, which is just a demon who's on the toilet on the pooping. Toilet. Yep. Yeah. Just like, okay, There's, sure. <laughs> there are some wild persona designs in this. And granted, I, yeah, I don't I have a, a history or knowledge of what creatures have been before, but it's really fun and bizarre to have this balance of like, oh, there's a, a pixie girl and there's Jack Frost from another Atlas game. And then there's a man pooping, <laughs> <laughs> a demon man taking a crap. I feel like this is the point where the game really just stops, like, caring. Yeah. And now it's just like, we're just going full bore. Just just roll with it. Keep rolling with it. And you're like, okay. Yeah, we're going. All right. Um, So 
you manage to get on out. The infiltration is stopped. Instead of getting to the, the treasure, you just get on out and you all escape. And uh, on is, you explain the situation on and she's like, hey, I can fight too. Let me join. And you're like, yeah, that's true. Hell yeah. And so she's on your team now and you have your full party of four, which is exciting. Uh, but Morgana is still a cat living in the real world. And so Morgana comes to live with Joker at uh, LeBlanc, which is results in one of my favorite moments of the entire week probably because you bring morgana back in your bag and you put morgana down on the bed and sojiro comes up and is like i thought i heard meowing in here what are you doing you can't have cats in this restaurant like maybe if she's maybe if he stays upstairs and then he leaves and then he comes back and he's like got a bowl of milk and he's like well it's just so cute with this meowing and like gives her the bowl of milk and then he's like so did you name it yet? And you say it's Morgana. And he's like, oh, I thought I, I was going to name it. Yeah. And it, then he leaves and it's like, Sojiro, you're so cute. It's so great. <laughs> it was one of those. I, I'm so glad you wrote, wrote that moment down too. Cause I, I did also, cause it's so funny to, to just get this moment because of how gruff he's been to you right. and just in general so far. And like, I forget if it's this day or a little bit later in the week where he has like basically a confrontation with a customer who's like telling him how to do his job. And he's like, I don't, I don't care about it this i'm just gonna run the shop like i want to like don't tell yeah. me how to make my coffee and talk to you um but yeah when he when he comes up and it is just this sweet to uh to morgana it's like oh that yeah there's there is more to this guy than uh, a man who is uh begrudgingly taking you in like there's a reason he took you in like there there is a goodness there yeah. that you're going to slowly find and i completely forgot about this moment uh from my first playthrough and so i i really i i love that you called it out too because i i just adored it it's it's just so sweet. It's it's very much the first of many moments of Sojira's sort of like tough exterior coming down a little bit. Yeah. And I I love it. I love it for that. Uh the next 2 days are a little bit different because they're mostly just like getting you ready for like the mechanical side of things that you need to start exploring a palace. So on April 16th, uh Besides getting beamed in the head with chalk by a teacher for the first mm-hmm. time, first time of many probably. Yeah. Um Morgana basically explains on the on the roof, which is now your hideout, uh, that you're going to need to get prepped. You're going to need weapons and, and medicine and that sort of thing. So after that day, you, or after the school day, you go to Takemi's Medical Clinic, which is in Yonganjaya, right near Capital Blonde. Uh, and you meet Takemi, who is just this punk rock doctor who is super sketchy and apparently makes her own rumored there's again rumors about her right that she makes sketchy medicine and that she'll sell it to anybody so you go in asking for sketchy medicine and she kind of like susses you out as like lying to her for drugs and her response to this is okay and she gives you drugs yep (laughs) Um, i I do like that the the dialogue options here at least are very reflective of i think a teenager attempting this where where he's like so clumsy uh uh yeah i have a i have a headache from studying and she's like have you heard the rumors and about about me making drugs and he's like yeah but um can i have some i know this is not how joker talks exactly but it just it's this very like uh uh yeah i guess if you want to give me the the drugs whatever it's cool yeah it's it's exactly that yeah you're dead on uh Um, takemi is a character you'll see a lot more of too but yeah it's a it's definitely a strange situation i did forget to shout this out last week but basically when you first enter yonganjaya you do see her in the background um, walking mm-hmm. behind you, which is, which is one of those I think that like as people who know the game will will notice these moments. But I do like that they do see characters like Haru, like like Takemi that you'll meet possibly much later down the line. But um, yeah, 
they they added a lot more of those in Four Royal too, oh, okay. uh, which I think is a little bit meant for people who've played it already, kind of getting yeah. a little bit of that throughout but, the game. But yeah, it's a it is a strange relationship, and I I do not know Incredibly the healthcare strange. scene in Japan. So if we have any Japanese listeners who want to let me know if there are just doctors who run medicinal figure it out on their own sort of situations, please let me know. She has a license. She, she does. Has a license. But she, she still making that. her own stuff. But yeah, it, it it's this weird combination of like, I've never lived in a town where there was a town doctor who everyone knew, but also was concerned about it. It's just a, yeah, it's a strange relationship. I, I do think there are interesting facets of the character, but yeah, it's a, it's a strange, strange introduction for sure. Yeah. And then the next day, not much else happens that day. The next day, April 17th, you go meet another strange interaction with an adult that feels weird, uh, where you you meet with Ryuji at a sketchy model gun store in the back alley of Central Street Shibuya um, and meet the proprietor of it, who is basically like, yeah, I'll sell you model guns that look incredibly realistic high schoolers. Just, like, don't get caught with it and don't do anything dumb with it because then it'll come back on me. And this is where you get the shop. So Takemi's Medical Clinic is basically where you buy the best uh, medical healing items, right, and, like, recovery items. And then this is where you buy everything else. This is where you buy accessories, buy armor, buy guns, and buy weapons, and then can also sell some of those things back to them. And right off the bat, you're given a decent amount of choice. Yeah. Uh, I was going to bring this up, but, like, you don't have much money at this point in the game. No. Unless you did what I did and have both the deluxe edition of the game and save data from Persona 5 already on your PS5 and or PS4. Because then what happens is they give you 50,000 yen right away and you buy everything you could ever want and it feels like cheating. I forgot to um, download my save, so I didn't get to do that. Yeah, I, you get a lot of money really quick. I had no idea that actually happened to man. Uh, yeah, I spent all my money. And so we'll, we'll get to the next day in the beginning uh, in, in a minute. But I made a specific choice because of how little money I had. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But yeah, I, I bought like one or two things and I was like, I guess this will be good enough. Also question, are the, so he's selling you model guns. Are the physical weapons he's selling you real or also models? We, uh, we don't ask questions like that. Okay. Cause it's very, it's, it's very much yeah. implied that he's like, yeah, I'll sell you model guns. Oh, but you want these daggers and katanas? All right. Yeah, we don't, we don't, uh, we don't, we don't bring that up. Fair don't, enough. don't talk about that. Fair enough. Because that's that's one of those places where I think mechanics just like uh, take, the, theme, yeah. flavor, and mechanics just like don't mesh quite well, and that's fine. Like, oh, very totally. intentionally. Um, this is me because, nitpicking because we're doing this show, not but like sure, if I was playing sure. along, I would not. Yeah, yeah. Because it's like a because it's a model gun store, right? And yeah. like the the alternative would be to like also have a different weapon store, and that'd just be, be annoying. So you just have like one weapon shop, and it's yeah. like fine. <laughs> um. Yeah, uh, definitely the, like, 50,000 from the save data feels like cheating because I just have, I, you have enough money to buy a ton of medical items, basically everybody got better armor, basically everybody got weapons, and what it does is, like, that money isn't going to matter long term, but, like, for the first palace, it just sort of jump starts you, which is okay mm -hmm. because I am playing on hard this time, okay. which I, I didn't play because I played... When I played Persona 1, I played on easy, and then when I did Royal, I did normal, and thought it was too easy, and then now I'm on hard, and I'm enjoying the difficulty, but I oh, also okay. appreciate that money, if that makes sense. Totally. I'm on normal, I think, so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, and you can, you, you know, it's, you play, play whatever difficulty you want, don't. Yeah. 
I'm not a stickler for difficulty at all. Anyway, uh, you get back to your house, and Morgana has you clear off a table to introduce one more mechanic, which is crafting. You can spend time in the evening to craft infiltration tools, which, in my experience, is lockpicks, lockpicks, only lockpicks, and oh, nothing yeah. else ever but lockpicks. The the only time I've ever crafted anything else there is when I've started crafting, realized I didn't have enough to do all lockpicks, and was like, I guess I'll make another item. But right. Yeah, it's lockpicks is the way to go. There's, yeah. <laughs> there's nothing else that's worth it there. Yeah, because it takes time, or it will later. But yeah. anyway. Uh, and finally, April 18th hits. We get a short scene uh, that's also a royal exclusive scene where you cross paths. Kawakami calls you into a meeting to basically ask what you're doing and why Kamoshida's mad at you. Uh, but really what it is is an excuse to cross paths with Yoshizawa again, who is that new character, new on- uh, honor student, who you find out is also an athlete. Uh, and a very well, you know, like a potentially like a medalist of some kind or like a people. Yeah, basically. So you meet (laughs) Yoshizawa um, and she's very polite and appreciative again. And then you get that beautiful mission start thing on the chalkboard and we enter our first deadline free time period, which means that we have 14 days until expulsion, at which point if you haven't changed Kamishita's heart by then, you're expelled. And so, you have 14 days to do whatever you want. The funny thing is, Persona gives you statistics on what other people have done during any given day. You can press the the touchpad and then press the D-pad and you can see what's up and what other people have done. 60% of people have just go to the palace the very first day, uh, which is not what I did. (laughs) I mean, I thought, I I looked that up too and I meant to write it down, so thank you for remembering. I thought that was wild. I was like... I like I I get the impetus of like oh well the game is telling me to start doing this thing so I'm just gonna start doing it but I also was like oh I have 14 days I'll I'll take my time yeah um, yeah it's 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 the great debate I think of do you go early because you just want to get it out of the way or do you go late because then you can like do other things beforehand but then if you don't have money going to the the palace is the best way to get money generally before another thing unlocks that we won't talk about right now um and like so yeah the it's this it's, of course. yeah the microtransactions <laughs> no um <laughs> so yeah there's this like there's this push and pull and i think there's no wrong answers but as you check those statistics like you'll see that people like overwhelmingly just go to the palace right away. And I think that's generally not what I do. And I think generally on this show, we'll probably be talking about palaces closer to the end of free time than we would at the beginning. Yeah. Um, Well, I I did want to ask you about our approach and I I figured what better way to do it than on the show itself. But um, uh, we should definitely talk about what we did this day. But then I think, do you want to do that first or talk about our philosophies on palace stuff? Uh, go ahead. We can do philosophy, sure. Or actually, let's let's talk about what we did first. Let's yeah, talk about what yeah. we did first. You're you're hearing, hearing the brainstorming process live, people. Don't <laughs> worry about it. Go ahead. What did no, you do okay. today? No. Uh, so <laughs> I, what did I do? I because I didn't have fifty thousand uh, yen to to work with. I uh, went to go get my first job, and I guess this is a little bit of a cheat because I knew of the jobs previously. Right, I like the, the game part-time work. The game doesn't tell you this right here, but you will get the option pretty soon, so I don't really feel like this is a spoiler. But essentially, you can go pick up some part-time work. 
uh, and a couple of them are gated behind uh, having certain parameters. So like you need your guts or your charm or whatnot up to a certain level. Uh, but so the basic one you can do is work at the 777, uh, you know, convenience store uh, mark. And right. so I did that because that was the easiest one to work on, even though it's not a day that ends in seven, which gets you more money. Um, I was like, let me get this initial one out of the way. Let me let me just start the job. I'll get a little bit of money because I, I spent a little bit to get a, a weapon or two and was down to like 500. So I needed something. Uh, so yeah. I went to go uh, immediately get some money. Uh, it's I don't think it's the, the best use of time, but the, the reason I didn't go... No, I'll, I'll let you go first. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I guess one thing we should quickly explain for people not playing. Yeah, you have a an afternoon right after school section of time, and then you have an evening section of time. And at this point in the game, the evening section of time has to be spent in LeBlanc. You can't go out at night. Yeah. This is also the point where the first thing I did was just run to every corner of the map to unlock mm. all of the fast travel things. I went to the library and took out a book. You should always have a book in from the library because if you have a chance to read you'll have something from there i have a, um i have a confession what i've never been to the library what Ever. they have so many books i just buy them from the shops ah uh, but there's unique ones you can always take one out and it's free and then you just return it when it's done i had no idea i should probably go do that then <laughs> yeah it's great the, the library is very useful it doesn't take any time to, to rent a book out oh, okay um so, but the one thing I did was I actually hung out with Takemi during the afternoon, which is how you unlock her as a actual confidant, uh, is you, um, participate in her clinical trials, basically, and you agree to be her guinea pig, and she agrees to give you better medicine, basically. Which, again, incredibly problematic and concerning that this, like, adult medical professional is using an unlicensed like off the books teenager to like test medical medicine is like really messed up yeah. but also you know she gives you the good drugs now <laughs> it's very much like a oh i met you once and you asked me about drugs do you do you want more because we can make this happen but yeah it's a it's a lot that side it's quest. really weird it's, it's a really weird one i i think it's one i didn't engage with super much my first time around but i probably should for like it's one of those weird things where like i'm in i am engaging in things and we'll talk about more of these later on that i don't necessarily love watching but have to because they give you some of the best options in the game yeah oh i go i go all heartless for the mechanics yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> um so what about the evening uh yeah just you just clean the room um, yeah, so this is this is the the kind of de facto. You can do a lot of things in LeBlanc, right? When you're trapped in there, you can study, which gets up your knowledge. You can read a book at the counter. You can clean the 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 cafe, which will get you kindness. Again, a thing I didn't know you could do until yeah. I opened up the trophy list for P5R, and it was like clean LeBlanc, and I was like, you can do that, <laughs> okay? Did. Yeah, and if you go into bathrooms, uh, even the bathrooms at Shujin, it'll tell you how close you are to leveling up your social skills. Oh. So it'll be like, I think I'm pretty close to getting more knowledge up and stuff. Yeah. Why great. do I know so little about this game I love? <laughs> this is going to be a recurring theme because, we, well, we won't spoil it, but there was a thing you told me about, or someone else told me about, um, uh, uh, like a, a distant conversation. Uh, Alex O'Neill uh, and, and Bear Courtney and I were talking, and we... They, they were telling me about a mechanic and I was just like, that's a thing in the game. Oh my God. <laughs> like I have, 
I love this game. I played 120 hours of the base game. I missed so much. It's dense. There's a lot yeah. to find and a lot just sort of hidden around that it doesn't always make abundantly clear. Um, and I think that the the checking your social skills might be a royal thing. Oh, okay. I, I might be mistaken about that. But regardless, uh, the other thing that you that we both did is you just clean up your room because it's still a disaster and full of stuff. And that gets you a couple books. Uh, it unlocks the house plant, which will be a thing that you can feed to get kindness. And it gives you the TV, although the TV is not functional quite yet. And that was our week. Yeah. Uh, it was a big one. A it was a, it was a long... Yeah, there's a long, long thing. I think next week, though, uh, is our first week. We now have 13 more days until the deadline, which means that we have a lot of time to see how Jonathan and I are going to differ. Yeah. We have a lot of time to discuss, you know, the strategy of that stuff. We also have a lot of time that we're going to be digging into some of the topics beyond just, like, recapping what we did each day, right? We're going to actually talk about some of that stuff, like, you know, maybe some early tips like getting a book from the library or like how we feel about the deadline structure. There's a lot we can dig into in these this next week that is just going to be literally seven days of us picking what we want to do each time. And um, on that, yes, we have the option of when we want to go to the palace. Yeah, I'm of the, uh, the try-hard mindset that I always try to knock out a palace in a day, which is like maybe less feasible if we're playing in real time i was thinking because like like even if i can do it in game like i might not have the real world hours mm. to in a week to do that so that might be interesting um but i think probably i usually generally just wait till i have like a day that seems a little slower yeah and then i'll go then and usually that comes a little later but yeah. i don't know <laughs> yeah no i'm very much of the mind like i well, my my cadence that I got into when I played Persona 5 was that I enjoyed having a few days at least, then going to the palace, and then having a few days. Like, essentially to yeah. give it this wave so that you're not just doing everyday stuff for 14 days and then a palace or doing sure. a palace and then having 14 days. Like, it, it broke it up for me. But I, I feel like it will benefit us if we are roughly playing the palace at the same time. Yeah, um, that's fair. I do think all our other choices, as we, as we said, like, at the beginning, we're not going to, like, tell each other or, like, coordinate. But I do think it will probably be better to have, like, some expectation for us to be able to talk about the palace at the same time. Yeah. Um, and uh, let us know, too, if you, if you listeners, dear friends, have yes. any thoughts about, you know, because obviously people are going to be playing it at different times as well. So we don't want to talk about it too early because there might be spoilers, but we don't want to talk about it too late because then it butts into like the boss fight stuff and the the final areas and that sort of thing so like th there's a balance that we're gonna have to find and i think we can probably find it in the next couple weeks but i'm excited we can obviously discuss and not you know come up with plans on camera as as we are, the are known to do yeah <laughs> but uh, let's take another like 30 minutes just to talk about the schedule um it's it's gonna be interesting to see how we we kind of figure out find our footing on that in that regard and and how we differ too because we might just be playing very differently yeah <laughs> i know i'm very excited to find out what those differences are um because i apparently can miss a lot of things in this game so am i playing yeah. for any i don't know we'll we'll see i'm i'm excited for it <laughs> um, uh let's close things off with uh, the the way we closed off last week i really enjoyed doing some quizzy stuff i had some people sending me answers as well online so jonathan do you have uh something prepared i do yeah sorry i forgot to put okay. it on the show but i do have uh another persona pseudonym to give you 
Uh, so this is this is the me quiz, and then we'll have a pop quiz for you, the listeners, as well. Uh, this is a uh, I again. So I guess to clarify, I will be going for the entire Persona Five uh, lineup of personas. But given how I didn't establish that last week, no, 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 it's fair. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with what I think is a relatively easy one, and I'm working by the rule of pretty much if it's not something we could have seen within this window, okay. I'm probably not going to name. Okay, okay, um, okay. So this one I am 99% sure we have seen. Uh, but this, So it's an early on one. They are known as the Crypt Dwelling Pyromaniac. Oh, that's... It's just... Its name is just Jack-O-Lantern, right? Yes, yeah. Also, okay. also known, I think, in other SMT lore as Pyro Jack. But yes, Jack-O-Lantern right. is correct. Awesome. <laughs> uh, I'm glad. That was, that was a softball one, especially after I screwed up last week. So I appreciate I that. No, no, no. No, no, no. No, 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 no. No, you first. No, you. No, no you first. <laughs> anyway, uh, our pop quiz, which I'll answer on next week's show, and you can feel free to send us answers at dornology at gmail.com or uh, on our Twitters, wherever it may be, uh, is this. Here's a question of events that happened during this last week that you can figure out and send us an answer as well. On, at one point in the halls of Shujin Academy, blows off Kamoshida. Uh, basically lying to him to get out of it, uh, out of hanging out with him because he's a total creepy, awful human being, uh, and says that she has a photo shoot for a very special summer shoot thing and that she's also not feeling well. And Kamoshida mentions that she told him he has, she has some sort of disease that she has been, that she says, yeah, I've been meaning to go to the hospital for that, but I just haven't had the time. What time-sensitive and very life-threatening disease did On tell Kamoshida she just hasn't had the chime to get checked out? <laughs> I truly don't. That's remember. the question. <laughs> I'm I'm excited for that. I'm totally blanking. Uh, so that's that is going to be a very interesting. <laughs> yeah, you know, sometimes you really it really comes through that they're teenagers and not the best at lying. Yeah, they're not very good at lying at all. Uh, but. Uh, I think we are going to be very good at lying down because this was the first week where we actually had Morgana tell us that we should probably just get some sleep and go to bed, which sounds like a great idea to me. Uh, I've been Tom Marks, uh, joined as always by Jonathan Dornbush. My, I've been Jonathan. Uh, yeah. And, and you can find us again. I'm at Tom R. Marks on Twitter. Uh, Jonathan is at JM Dornbush. Yes. Correct. At Twitter. Uh, and then we have the Dornology at gmail.com. You can obviously subscribe. We are ramping up podcasting platforms, but uh, iTunes, Google Pod, Google Play, um, uh, Spotify, the, Spotify, the YouTube, Dornology YouTube, and, and more platforms are going to be coming as we kind of roll out and finish up. But thank you so much for joining us on episode two. That was April 12th to April 18th. Next week, we are doing April 19th. Plus seven days because I'm bad at math uh, and I don't know calendars very well, but it'll be a great free week and uh, we'll see you then. Bye.